welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you were ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. We're all on a journey as uh, we really enunciated through our theme scripture this year, and we're calling our journey this year, we're just calling it Adventure Highway. It's our des- it's, we're, we're heading toward our destination of heaven, and, and we're choosing to make it an adventure between here and there. We're choosing the right path. But along the way, there will be some unfortunate surprises that can cause you to react and steer yourself into a ditch. And today I'm calling this the ditch of offense. You see, sometimes you're, you're, you're driving along and something seems to come out of nowhere and you, you react and bam, you're in the ditch. But remember, you are the one who's steering the car. Now, I learned this lesson when I was 16. Uh, I, I was driving down Dixie Road in Odessa, Texas, and I hit this hole in the road, and it blew out my front left tire, and, and I reacted, and I actually steered into the oncoming lane. Bad idea. And I hit another car, and then I ditched my car, my wonderful, beautiful, silver 1978 Datsun 510. Such a special car. And this Odessa, Texas police officer came and gave me a ticket. Well, driving on the wrong side of road, not passing. I'll never forget that. I was like, what? what? I wasn't driving. I, wasn't, I had no control. I was just, woo. Oh, I tried to contest the ticket, and uh, the judge told me, he, he, he said, the hole in the road and the blown out tire doesn't matter, young man. He said, you have to be in control of your vehicle all the time, it's your responsibility. And I had to pay the penalty by, and, and, and basically I reacted when I hit the hole and I had to pay the penalty. I steered wrong, and so it is with the fence. If we react, we might just end up in a ditch, frustrated, angry, and sometimes even hostile. Now the best way to be unoffendable, which is what well, my challenge is, I want to be that way, is, is to embrace an attitude of humility and just simply do it in all that you, embrace humility in all that you do because humility wins and it will keep you from being lured into this ditch of offense. But I'm telling you guys, humility is a choice. And remember, you are at the wheel. Now, Adventure Highway all of a sudden becomes much less of an adventure when you're stuck in the ditch of offense. The truth is, there's, there are ditches right next to you, and there will be all along your pathway through life just begging you to steer into it. So I'm going to be talking about that today. I need you to open your Bibles to two locations. One is going to be in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50, and also Matthew chapter 15 in your Bibles. Genesis 50, Matthew 15. I'll start with Genesis 50, but hold your place in both. Today I'm going to share two brief stories about offense from the Bible. And in one case, it is a violent, hostile offense that's actually caused by family members. And in the other case, it's where Jesus himself is attempting to create offense as a test. Now, in both of these cases, the offended respond correctly, and that's very important. And they stay out of the ditch of offense, and they continue on toward their destiny, and both reap incredible rewards. So as you're cruising down your adventure highway of life, I do guarantee this, you will have the opportunity to get offended 
and often for some very good reasons. But listen to this. How you respond has everything to do with how and if you're going to resume your journey. Because really the way of overcoming offense is just to simply be humble from the beginning. Jesus, in his great teaching on offense in Matthew chapter 18, he, he introduced the teaching by pulling a child into the group of his disciples. And he used this child as kind of an illustration or a prop. And, and he was illustrating basically the power of living offense-free. And Jesus said this with the child there. He says, unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. But whoever becomes simple and elemental again, see those words, simple and elemental? Say that with me. Simple and elemental. Can I say it again? Simple and Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, in other words, humble, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. That's huge, guys. See, with, with the humble attitude of a child, you can overcome offenses. And kids, they just don't get offended very easily because they haven't learned to fear and distrust. See, what children do is they just believe the best. So basically, it's this thing right here. Humility wins, and it'll keep you out of that ditch of offense. Jesus said that, that this childlike humility will keep you out of that ditch even if someone shoves you into the ditch of offense, as we're going to learn today. And humility makes sense. It's this childlike attitude of living simple and elemental. Now, I have some wonderful memories of T-Ball. When, when, when Preston was four, we enrolled Preston in T-Ball. Every dad wants to enroll his boy in T-Ball as soon as he's old enough to you know, swing a bat. And Preston would swing bats at everything. I remember one time he took one of his little bats when he was three years old and went out to a newly planted tree that I'd put in the backyard and, and hacked it all to pieces with his bat. And he was just like, oh, what were you doing? I was playing Swiss Family Robinson. Okay, geez, thanks. My tree is destroyed. But, but so I'm going to teach him how to use his bat for good purposes. So we put him into T-Ball. Now, there's nothing quite like T-Ball. It, it was little different than I anticipated. I thought it was going to be a little more sporty. But basically it's this. It's a bunch of simple and elemental children who really don't care about impressing one another because they haven't learned that yet. And they only want mom and dad and grandma and grandpa to watch and to have a good time. And and, and the kids, they, they get out on the field and really they create a comedy show. From my memories of of T-Ball, I I remember some things. I remember one time watching his games. uh, One time a kid hit the ball and just stood there until someone came and got him out. And so the parents learned, well, we got to tell, we got to yell at the kids to run. And so, so I, I saw then after that, a kid would hit the ball and everyone was shouting, run, run, run. So he ran to the dugout. <laughs> Another time, we, everyone shouted, run. I remember the kid ran to third base. Another time, everybody shouted, run. He ran to the pitcher's mound. I mean, what, what's going on? I, I remember one t-ball game. It was like football. It really was. I, the, the, I saw the entire team Preston's team, they were, they were trying to get the ball that had been hit out there, and they were so excited that the ball went more than, you know, three feet, and, and they were all trying to get the ball, everyone, they just, they just all evacuated their places to get the ball, and they started doing this dog pile on top of the ball, and they were laughing and loving every bit of it, all these kids were like, hee hee and, and, and the other team went all the way around, got the little home run, and not one child, though, got up off the ground angry at a teammate. 
They didn't even know that the person made it all the way around. It was childlike humility, simple and elemental. Unfortunately, Preston's t-ball team never won a game. Uh, after the first couple of games, he was asked me who won, I would say the other team, and he would cry, and so I realized that's probably not the right answer. I mean, I'm all into keeping a score, and I think there should be winners and losers. I'm, I'm definitely into that, but, but, so, so, but, but, but he would, he would start saying, so, so, Daddy, did we win? And so I just learned, I'm just going to change my response. I said, Preston, you are a winner. And uh, he loved that answer, and so he would be totally satisfied and happy. But there are some childlike humility lessons for us here. In other words, we don't need to take offenses so seriously. Humility, which is living simple and elemental, is a lot like t-ball. And in the end, um, everybody's your buddy, even if they caused the other team to get a run or they caused your team to get out, or if they ran to the wrong base of the pitcher's mound, or if they fought over the ball with you, or even if they're on the other team. So I want us to look at today's first example of simple and elemental humility. And it's the story of Joseph, and it's found in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. But to set this up for Joseph, um, while you're looking up that passage, I wanted to give you some background. You see, Joseph was, was his father's favorite. He was the 10th of 12 kids, 12 sons. And, and what, what Joseph did is he bragged about these dreams that he had from God, and they were from God, that he would eventually have authority over his family. But this made his older brothers angry and resentful. And one day, they basically said, oh, look, here comes Mr. Leader. Let's see how good he can lead if he's dead. And so, so they, they threw him into the this pit. So, so he was literally shoved into a pit of offense. And then they sold Joseph as a slave, made money off of him. And then, then they reported back to his dad that he'd been killed by a wild animal. See, Joseph didn't just have his feelings hurt. He was sinned against, guys, in a huge way. Now he's a slave in some other country. And he had this slave master, the Bible says, by the name of Potiphar. And he served him for 10 years until Potiphar's wife made sexual advances against him. And one day he literally ran away, and, but, but, but she got angry because he ran away. And so she accused him of sexual harassment. Now he's thrown into a dungeon. Think about it. Do you think Joseph was offended at his brothers for being lied about, and abused, and sold? Do you think Joseph was offended at Potiphar and his wife for being wrongly accused and then imprisoned? Do you think Joseph may have even been offended at God? Because he was only doing the right thing. He's just talking about the dreams God gave him, and he was running from sexual immorality, and now he's paying this kind of a price? After two years in this dungeon, um, Joseph just continued to walk in his character, which was he was going to continue ministering. And he ministered to the other prisoners, and due to his ministry there in the dungeon, in spite of the offenses against him, instead of staying in the ditch of offense, he continued ministering, and, and he was eventually brought to Pharaoh. And then he ministered there to the king of Egypt and eventually found himself in the second place of authority in the whole kingdom. And Joseph, he, 
eventually rescued the nation of Egypt, and moreover, he rescued his family from a seven-year famine, including his brothers who had sinned against him, not just hurt his feelings. But due to his humble responses to these very, very, very valid offenses, God's will was never halted for him. See, he did not stay in the ditch of offense. Hey, listen to me, guys. No one can ruin your life. Not your boss, not your teacher, not me, not a politician, not your spouse. You are the only one who can ruin your life. How? It's by choosing the ditch of offense as your resting place. Hey, guys, humility wins. <laughs> Don't be lured into that ditch of offense. Look, now we're going to take a look at how Joseph's brothers responded when they finally came to him and requested Joseph's forgiveness. The setting is actually after the death of their father in Genesis 50, verse 15. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, "Um, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph. Now catch up, Catch, catch the setting here they are going to make up a story and they're going to lie again to Joseph who just saved their lives and gave them food through the famine. This is crazy, but it's true. It says, so they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions, liars, liars, before he died, liars. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they have committed in treating you so badly. So then they wrote in the rest of the letter, now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. And when their message came to him, Joseph wept. Now, Joseph is crying because he's been dealing with this stuff for decades. These are real horrendous offenses, my friend. He had already, we know he had already forgiven them in his heart because he reached out to them. He saved their lives. He rescued their family and brought them to Egypt so they could prosper and be healthy. But he's still dealing with it. And sometimes, you know, you deal with the offense and you deal with it and you deal with it and you deal with it, but you got to keep dealing with it. So here he is crying. It says, and the brothers came to him and they threw themselves down before him. And they just said, we're your slaves. But Joseph in his dignity, in his unoffended attitude, in his attitude of I'm not going to live in the ditch, he said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So don't be afraid. I will provide for you, and I'm going to take care of your kids. And reassured them, and he spoke harshly to them? No, he spoke what? Kindly. Here is a powerful political leader, more powerful than any political leader we have that in, our, in our world, in our nation. He's basically saying, he's saying, don't be afraid. I'm not in the place of God. And he could have them executed on the spot and their entire families. 
I'm telling you guys, that, my friend, is humility. Even if you were sinned against, it is not right to release vengeance and try to pay that person back for what they did to you because God will do that. And, and trust me, he will do a much better job than you could ever do on your own. Don't take the place of God. Let him do it. And Joseph went through some intense pain, and I'll just tell you guys, I hate pain. I've, I've, I've been through some physical pain this last year, but, but I know this, is that, is that God does use pain, emotional, physical, all kinds of pain. So take your pain and transform it into gain. Know this, that the pain that others may have even knowingly inflicted on you can be turned into gain. You see, his brothers had a strategy. They're going to get rid of him. They're going to harm him. But God had a strategy. Use the situation for pain. Use the pain for healing and help for an entire nation and, and for Joseph's father, including the healing of his own brothers who created the pain in the first place. Humility will help you transform pain into gain because humility wins and so don't get lured into that ditch of getting offended if nothing good has resulted from the pain that you're in yet just keep your heart right stay humble because it will for Joseph it was a 25 year process but that childlike elemental uh, t-ball humility won out Solomon says it well it says he who covers over an offense promotes love. Now there's a second case study in the Bible that's found in Matthew 15, 21. Completely opposite of this. As you're getting turned over there, I just want to remind you today, we're wanting to break that spirit of offense in our lives and release humility because humility wins. And you don't have to live in that ditch of offense. Because that ditch of offense, it's toxic, it's, it's rancid, it's stinking, it's muddy, and it's not a good place to abide. But young know, people do get offended over the craziest thing. And, and, and sometimes uh, when you get offended, you start dreaming things up. I, this is really funny because this actually really happened um, I was, I was approached about this and, and, and uh, some people had heard that I had started City Life because I was trying to build a political platform for myself to then resign the church and enter into politics after I got popular enough in town. I kind of freaked out. I was like, I, said, I, I responded back. I said, so that would mean I've been living a lie for the past five years and dragging my family through that? Yeah, my wife goes, uh-uh, ain't gonna happen. If you've heard it, it's, it's, it's a lie based out of offense. I'm serious. That, my friend, is how purely insane offense is. My brain could never concoct such ridiculousness if there were such an idea. That's corruption. Okay, humility case number two. Here we go, let's jump into it. This is the Canaanite woman, totally different case, but sometimes God tests us with opportunities to take offense to see if we can break through it and grasp the miracle that he has for us on the other side. Here it is, all right, this is Matthew 15, 21. It says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew 
to the region, region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, I know that means nothing to you, but that would basically be like uh, you know, you're, you're going to go out to South Padre Island. It was this coastal Mediterranean vacation destination, and, and this is actually the only recorded trip of Jesus that was outside of Israel. Obviously, it was for vacation. It was a time of, it was a, it was a time of rest and no work for him and the disciples. You know, we all need vacations. It's okay to take time off and go and have fun. Yeah, that's a good thing. And Jesus and his crew, they were trying to unwind. All right, verse 22 says, a Canaanite woman, keywords Canaanite, all right, from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Guys, that's serious business. So Jesus, how does he respond? Jesus didn't answer a word. He literally ignored her. It's right there in your Bible, black and white. Sure, he was on vacation, I'm, but like, wow, come on. I mean, ouch, that offended me. <laughs> and it happens to us as well. Opportunities like this come along where you're just ignored. You're trying to do the right thing, the good thing. You're trying to do the admirable thing and someone totally and completely ignores you. You don't get that call back. You don't get that text replied to. You don't get that email responded to or your project isn't even acknowledged and you take the bait and you find yourself in the ditch of offense. Fortunately, that lady didn't and we shouldn't either. But there's more. It goes on, it says, so the disciples came to Jesus and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. I mean, what? Now, now the disciples are begging Jesus, get rid of the loud, obnoxious Canaanite woman. Ouch, that's offensive. And she's seeing it all. And you know, that happens to us as well. It's, it's like these opportunities to get offended. They pop up and people are talking about you behind your back and you know they're talking about you. You, you are convinced and you know they're holding special meetings and they are whispering about you. And then you walk into the room and everyone gets quiet real quick and kind of looks down looks over at you and their faces get red. <laughs> you know, hey, it's great bait to put yourself into the ditch of offense. But guys, humility will keep you out of that ditch. She stayed out of the ditch. So Jesus ratchets it up a little bit. Take a look at this. So he answers her. He said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. I mean, no way, did Jesus just say that? He told the lady that she was not in his job description by saying that she's the wrong race and she's the wrong nationality. That's another opportunity for offense. It's when you're told that you just don't measure up. You're not good enough, you know? You know how it works when you get the runaround and, and it's, it's just because you, for whatever reason, you don't measure up to that person, other person's standards or whatever, and so you're stuck and you're often offended. But I'm saying, you guys, don't take the bait. Stay out of the ditch of offense like the Canaanite woman did. But sometimes God tests you with these things and you pass the test and so he ratchets up the test again. Here's the next one. So the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. She's on the ground kneeling and Jesus says, okay, hold your breath here. Just read with me, this is in the Bible. He said, is it not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs? 
The opportunities for offense are escalating. Now, this statement of Jesus, which may appear cryptic to you, she fully understood what it meant. See, the children's bread was referring to the good things that God was providing for the Jewish people through Jesus. The dogs were referred to as Canaanites. You see, in those days, the term dogs was the most common racial slur used by the Jews toward the non-Jews, and it was acceptable. So she knew exactly what he meant. Another opportunity to get offended. We're the object of a racial slur, direct, in your face. If you've ever experienced this, it's not a good feeling. But, but it still gives you no right to be offended. It's really just bait to get us off our game and get us into that ditch of offense where we can't then move forward. In fact, I love how she actually responds to this fourth and final horrendous offense opportunity. She says, yes, Lord. And even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table on the ground kneeling. <laughs> like, wow. So Jesus answered. He stops. He goes, whoo. I know he did that. I, I, that's not in the Bible, but I, I know he did. He goes, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. He didn't have to go to her house, drive out demons. He just said it was done. You see, her daughter received a miracle. She received a miracle. Why? Because she was able to keep herself out of the ditch of offense. She remained humble, childlike and elemental. Humility wins. Don't take that bait and go into the ditch of defense. And I found myself uh, uh, being in that ditch too many times. And it just stinks there. It halts my progress. But I've set this lofty goal. I just want to try to be, with God's help, unoffendable. With God's help, I want to embrace humility and simply refuse to react and steer myself into a ditch of offense. Why? Because non-offended people get the blessings. I'll say it again. Non-offended people get the blessings in both stories today. Next Sunday's Easter, guys. It's a Sunday where we celebrate the risen Savior, kids' egg hunt. It's gonna be so much fun. But next Sunday, I'm going to begin a three-week series talking about how prayer works in our lives. It's called touching the sky. But I'm a pastor and I understand we're going on a journey together. And here's the truth. I don't dare teach on prayer about how to ask God for blessings if I've not first taught on how to overcome offense. Because wallowing in a ditch of offense will hinder your prayers and mine. Offense, when you hold it in your life, it will stop the flow of God's blessing in your lives. Jesus even said this, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, I'm telling you guys, that's broad. It says, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Wait a minute, I have to forgive others before I get forgiven? Actually, yeah. <laughs> so here's the good news. Today you can leave here with more freedom than you have ever known. Right now I want you to think of someone that you, you're resentful toward because maybe something they said or didn't say. Maybe something they did or didn't do, much like happened with a Canaanite woman. Maybe they just made you feel bad. Or possibly they've wronged you or, or even sinned against you like, like Joseph's brothers did. And, and today you just simply need to make a choice that will initiate your deliverance from your own ditch of offense. Here it is. 
release forgiveness toward them from the bottom of your heart. If they're here in this room, catch them after the service and just be humble. If they're here in the community, stop by their place. Give a knock on the door. Give them a call in humility. Not defending your position, just in humility. If they're across the country, give them a call today. Give them a handwritten letter. I've done that before. It's like, I'm going to dig myself out of this ditch of offense. I'm going to get out. I have to write a letter in humility, not stating my position or anything, but just to release. I need that. If they're deceased, release them to God and refuse to hold unforgiveness toward a dead person in your heart. One more minute. Hey, guys, let's get ourselves out of the ditch of offense. It's your time for freedom from offense. And God brought you here to hear this message today so that you can be more free than when you came in. It's time to get back into the position of receiving blessing in your life because God wants you to experience freedom on your adventure highway, not the stress and the pain of the ditch of offense. Humility, it wins. Humility, I'm telling you guys, this is the ancient path. This is the road to walk in. And as we walk in this road, you will find rest. You will find rest in your mind, in your emotions, in your soul. This is where I'm leading us. This is that narrow road that few people choose, but it's a whole lot better. Let's pray. Will you just close your eyes for just a moment and focus internally. And if you want to know this Jesus we've talked about, uh, you want a clean slate, and you, you want to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And if you want to be included in this closing prayer and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm simply going to ask you to lift your hand. Because faith is when we respond outwardly to what's happening on the inside. God loves you so much, and he died for you that you could have life, and everything can change today. Would you lift your hand? That way I can connect my prayers with you and just say, I need Jesus today. Lift your hand anywhere in this room. I need Jesus today. I need to make things right. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Who else? I need Jesus today. I need to make things right with God. I don't want to leave here with the burden of sin in my life. Thank you so much. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Awesome. I'd like everyone in the room to stand. Will you please stand? Now, now listen, if you raised your hand, I want you along with the entire congregation of believers to pray with me. I want everyone to pray because also in this prayer, we're going to ask God to set us free from a spirit of offense too, okay? Come on, guys, let's repeat these words to the Lord. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past, and I embrace the future that you have for me. I receive your love, your unconditional love for me. I choose today to walk away from the ditch of offense and get on with my life. I choose freedom. I choose humility over offense. I choose to freely forgive those who have hurt me. I open myself up 
to your miracles, Lord. Thank you for freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship Jesus one more time. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information on how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.